The Diplomacy Dojo is a weekly discussion led by your board brother about diplomacy tactics and strategies. Let's listen in on what our players are discussing this week. Yeah, sure. I have my list here uh, from the last week. I see here we had how to influence Western alliances as Russia and how to solo as Russia in the juggernaut. Those look like the Russia-themed items here. Yeah. Are there any other topics you think we might cover today, Hunter? Maybe getting Italy's home centers when you're playing France, like safely, or when you should do that, or if it's necessary all the time. Okay, well, let's take it from there. So the first subject is how to influence Western alliances, such as an England-Germany alliance, as Russia. My thought on this topic is to understand where your bargaining power lies as Russia and which powers you can influence in the beginning. Do you have an influence over Scandinavia? Because Russia is a northern power at the start. You've got a port in St. Petersburg. And what you're trying to accomplish there is convince at least one of your neighbors, England or Germany, preferably both, but at least one, that they have a reason to let you maintain your port in St. Petersburg and it's not better off just laying there or being isolated or uh, just being destroyed by England. So when I'm Russia and I'm thinking about how to influence the situation in the West, I usually start with Germany because the first question in 1901 is, am I going to be able to get Sweden? And that's pretty much at Germany's discretion. Weaker German players, I think they tend to see bouncing Russia out of Sweden as an obvious or a must. And stronger German players usually presume that they're going to let Russia into Sweden and look for only a specific reason to prevent Russia from going into Sweden. So your approach may depend on the calibers of the players and their expectations. Weaker German players think that Germany's expansion path is into Scandinavia because it looks easy and neutral. Like they can, they see it as it easier to fight for Sweden than to say fight for London or Paris. That's not very strategic because Sweden's not a very tactically or strategically important center for Germany to get compared to some of those other locations. You can also influence England, uh, but you have to have an English player who is amenable to the idea of concentrating an attack elsewhere. You'll have a lot of English players who view the dynamic between England and Russia as one of hostility until either England conquers all of Scandinavia and takes down St. Petersburg, and then, ah, now we can be friends, or that Russia has to get consolidated control over the whole place and prevent England from expanding there, and then England will move on to something else. That's, uh, that's unfortunate. I don't think it's necessary for England and Russia to fight right off the bat, uh, but they often will because one of the players will think that's how the situation has to unfold. Uh, uh, one thing you can do to England is if to, for England to tolerate your presence in Scandinavia is to offer to occupy Norway with, Norway with an army because if you have an army in Norway, that can't threaten England. England can leave Norwegian Sea alone. England could even leave North Sea if there's nothing bordering North Sea. And I think a lot of English players, like a, a smart player would tolerate that. Like, hey, look, if Russia's only got an army in Norway, there's no fleet anywhere near me. Obviously, this isn't a threat to me. I, I can agree to this. I, I think what you, what this question is more meaningfully getting at is how can you influence the political dynamic and not so much the immediate tactical stuff, even though that's where I took the question early on. And the, the fear of Russia is that an England-Germany alliance forms and this alliance concentrates on taking out Russia immediately 
either simultaneously with fighting France or possibly even as the first target. And so to to undermine this, I think that you got to create a belief in one of those players, maybe Germany, that England is not to be relied upon. This is challenging, but one way to do it is if the English player will open north and you convince the German player that this is bad. Depends on the metagame. You know, I, I personally, when I am Germany, if if nobody's opening to English Channel, that makes me very nervous. Well, that's not very good for me, Germany. Maybe Russia's the better ally, but not every player will see it that way. Um, one threat you can do if neither England nor Germany seems very friendly is to withdraw from the north and just hang out in St. Petersburg to say, okay, I'm just going to park that starting fleet in St. Petersburg. And yeah, I can't hold on to it forever, but I could support hold it with an army for a long time. And then you guys will have nothing better to do. Uh, You won't be able to, to, to take me down. And then England and Germany may consider each other the bigger threat. So if if you make a big fight for Scandinavia that England and Germany have to concentrate a lot of units on taking you down, they may see the thing through Whereas if you, and, and try to finish you off at St. Petersburg and continue on to attack you uh, your, at your Warsaw and Moscow home centers. But if you withdraw very early, if the writing's on the wall, like Germany bounced you out of Sweden and is going to help England, it looks like that's what's going to happen, then withdraw your fleet to St. Petersburg and say, okay, you guys figure out who wants Scandinavia. I don't care anymore. I'm not participating. Come back when you actually want my help and maybe I'll help somebody out. Then England and Germany may decide to prioritize fighting France or or each other over uh, taking down St. Petersburg. Do you have more thoughts about this, Hunter? Um, Well, one thing is England. I mean, I'm not actually against Russia taking army with uh, Norway with an army. But sometimes I feel like, I mean, I really need a few units to successfully attack France. I don't have any issue with the army there, but it's like, you know, could I hold on? Like, could Russia just leave it alone until I'm able to take one of France's centers? So if you've captured Norway in 1901, then you have three f- fleets as England. And so in for, for me personally, I have usually, in most games, I am using all three of those fleets to fight France, if possible. I'm using the fleet in North Sea to fight for Belgium or to control Belgium or make sure France doesn't get it, and the other two fleets to fight France. And the army in Norway, if I've convoyed it there, which I usually do, I'm often looking for an opportunity to convoy it somewhere else that it can be better use, either convoying it to Belgium or possibly even double convoying it into Picardy or to Brest or something. And then at that point, if I get a replacement center like Belgium or Brest or Paris to offset the loss of Norway, I don't don't really care what happens to Norway after that because then at that point I have four units – or at least three, if I'm using a fleet in reserve to just guard North Sea okay. for fighting France. So what if I take Belgium then? Do you think it's so? If I have Belgium, you think three fleets? That's totally enough to attack France. So and my home centers. So in in your mind, if we're using a bunch of units to fight for Scandinavia, does that bigger number of units give you more units for fighting France? Because for me, every unit I'm sending to fight for Scandinavia is a negative unit against fighting France. So like if I put a fleet in a fleet in North Sea, a fleet in Norwegian Sea and an army in Norway, that's that's maybe zero units for fighting France. And then if I move the fleet in North Sea to Skagrak and my build, I say I built in London or Edinburgh and I backfill North Sea, now I've got a fleet in Norwegian, a fleet in North, a fleet in Skagrak and an army in Norway. And I can take Sweden, let's say, okay, now I've got five units, haha. But 
all my other units are committed to fighting for Scandinavia, so the number of units that are available for fighting France is one or maybe zero. I see. So ca- okay. capturing more centers doesn't necessarily translate into a bigger effective force for fighting France. And I think that we may be, I think we're actually getting somewhere. And I'm, under, I'm understanding your thinking a little bit. This is why I think that it is so dangerous for England to commit to fighting for Scandinavia early on is that as more and more of your units are committed to, to holding on to these gains that you made, you're not really any better off. You've just, you say you've blocked Russia from getting Scandinavia, but that's not a strategically valuable goal compared to France, who now may be able to attack you with your back door wide open. So if I'm England and I concentrate against France first, and I succeed in bringing France down, like we take out Brest and France is reduced to maybe two or three centers, that's a player who's now no longer a threat to me. Uh, And meanwhile, if Russia has gained Scandinavia, so what? That's not necessarily a disaster. Maybe Russia's going to go after Germany next. Maybe Russia doesn't have the extra units to come after me. Whereas... If I successfully conquer Scandinavia, what's France doing meanwhile? Is there some Scandinavia that France can go after while I fight Russia? No. It's just me. <laughs> France is just going to come directly after me unless they go after another player. So because there's something to occupy Russia's time and there's gains that Russia could make, I am more trusting that it that Russia might not necessarily come after me and that a fight with Russia is something I can do later. I don't feel the same way about a fight with France. All right, so should we move on to soloing as Russia and Turkey? Yeah, sure. So this says how to solo as Russia in the juggernaut, or did you want to talk about soloing as Russia in general? Yeah, how about in general? In my view, Russia is is the most unusual of all seven powers in the ways that Russia can get a solo win. So Russia can be kind of like a boom or bust power where Russia might expand on only to be crushed on one other side of the map. And so uh, where I'm going with this is that to solo win, Russia needs to make significant gains on both sides. And I think that a great way to do that is to make a gain on one side of the map, either the north or the south. Use that to build a unit that you on, on either side, but maybe switching sides is the way to go. Then gain another center somewhere else get a build and build a unit that can help you on the other side. By alternating between um, north and south or alternating between building where your your next gain seems likely to come from, that can put you on a path to a solo win because now you have a presence on both halves of the map. And if you make gains, you can make these strategic choices about where to build them. A mistake that players sometimes make as Russia is that they concentrate entirely on one side of the map. Like, let's say they go all south. They build all armies, keep going south. They fight for, they fight. They yeah, concentrate. I think that's a mistake I've made in the past. And and tell me why. Tell me why you think that has been a mistake. I'm not really sure. I mean, I had I had Sweden and Norway, so I just kind of thought, okay, I'll just move south now. I so, guess I probably should have built more fleets, though, in the north. I, I think what happens is you're going to run out of room. Because Russia doesn't have much chances of capturing all the Italian home centers or Tunis. And so it's very difficult to reach 18 supply centers by expanding so heavily in the south. Even if you get all of Austria, all the Balkans, all of Turkey, that still doesn't – that doesn't add up to 18 even with your home centers. You're going to have to have some some captures elsewhere. And 
what uh, what, would, what would be exciting for me about getting such big expansion in the south and like wiping out these neighbors is that I have opportunity to build a lot of fleets in the north. Because if I could build three or four fleets in the north, suddenly, ooh, there's all these options. I could go into Denmark. I could go into Edinburgh. You know, I could get these these centers that Russia doesn't normally get to on a typical game because I was able to get such a big fleet presence. And if you get a gigantic fleet presence in the north somehow, you could end up rolling up most of the centers there so that even if you get pushed back out of the Balkans or something, you can offset that by overwhelming other positions in the north because there aren't very many defensible positions, let alone any stalemate lines that run through the north that way. That's unusual. I mean, it's unusual to have more than two fleets in the north, honestly. Uh, no, no power particularly likes seeing – in the north, like, likes seeing Russia build that many fleets so if they, that antagonizes them. I mean, maybe a southern power feels comfortable with you doing that. Whew, those are going to the north. I noticed a lot of the Russia solos that I've looked at, uh, they, have, they have a strong fleet presence in the north, like four or five fleets up there. Yes, that is correct. And the, the strategic conundrum is how the heck do you accomplish that? Because <laughs> it's in the beginning of the game, fleets in the north are not going to help you that much. They're not very good for defensive purposes. It antagonizes your neighbors. I think that um, the strategy for Russia is to use your political abilities, your diplomatic abilities – as much as possible to secure your flanks while you can concentrate on just bringing down one power. That's why Russia stinks in gunboat because you don't have the ability to convince anybody with words to just leave you alone. Yeah. Do you feel, do you feel Turkey or Austria is a better ally for Russia? Um, the better ally for Russia is probably Turkey because Turkey can hope to expand all the way out to the west without invading Russia, and Russia would only have to be taken down towards the end of the match. Um, in, in terms of the long-term game, Austria's gonna run out of room eventually, and uh, is gonna have to, has a, has a in, bigger incentive to backstab Russia earlier than Turkey does, in my opinion. However, in the short run, Austria is the more powerful ally. If you're allied to Austria. You'll probably bring down Turkey and Germany relatively early, and that uh, that's nothing to sniff at. The ability to take down those powers pretty pretty early. Um, so in the in the short run, Austria is a really good ally. That that might be one of the stronger two power alliances in the in the immediate beginning of the game. I think Austria Russia is a really strong two power alliance, but in the long run, Austria. Is probably going to betray you faster than Turkey. I see. I see. So, okay. Yeah. So I guess. So I guess as Turkey. I mean, I guess as Turkey, the idea is you go like usually. So in a juggernaut, I go west. I take a center like Marseille. I think. I think you're right. Actually, I think after I take Marseille, that's the time to stab Russia instead of waiting longer. That's around the time. That's my um, my rule of thumb is that the opportunity to backstab an ally that's been a long-term ally is on the same turn where I have conquered a defensible center on the far side of the stalemate line. I like to do that all at once. So if I, on the same turn that I would capture 
Marseille. That's the turn that I would probably start backstabbing Russia and try to take out some of the centers that they've captured in the Balkans. Get three builds, then use those builds to take down Sevastopol and Romania or something something like that. Yeah, that sounds good. As Turkey, okay. um, I, I find a, an alliance with Russia to be the only viable <laughs> long-term alliance of my neighbors. The, an alliance with Austria or Italy, that's very temporary. It won't. It, it, the only reason it would last to the end of the game is because the players are care bears or um, they have no choice. You know, the other alliances are, are too strong. But in terms of being able to play with one ally that I got in 1901 – all the way until the last couple of turns of the game, Russia's that power of those three neighbors because Turkey can expand all the way over to Iberia before having to attack Russia. That alliance is um, maybe overrated in terms of how powerful it is. As it, oh the juggernaut, oh my god, we're gonna it's gonna kill us all. Watch out! I I don't think that I don't think it's a particularly powerful two power alliance. Um, but what it is is very stable. It's a, it can it can last a long time, and that's why maybe the the alliance has a reputation for being so threatening is because it can last so long. Yeah, that's true. If, if so, if I if I felt like I had my pick between Austria and Turkey as Russia, either one, uh, they both seem like friendly players. They both seem like they really do want to be my ally. I like them both. Uh, so it's, it's basically my choice. The way I would assess the situation strategically is uh, how badly do I need immediate power or how much do I think I can slow play the game? So, for example, if I think that there's an England-Germany alliance forming, then I'm going to pick Austria as my preferred ally because Austria can help me come in there and we can blast Germany in 1902, like very early on. We could, we could handle that, whereas Turkey will give me no assistance in that regard. Turkey will not help me in any way against England, Germany. Not. There's just not possible. Austria can. But if I feel pretty safe, like, mm, you know, Germany's cooperating with me, uh, I feel like I'm going to, you know, I'm getting into Sweden. Scandinavia is relatively safe, and maybe I want to play for the long term. Then Turkey might be the better ally because that alliance can can last such a long time, and the and the payoff is bigger in the long run. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Great. Okay, so we've got um, we kind of covered this juggernaut stuff. We have this last item, which is getting Italy's home centers and playing as France when and how. That's that's fascinating. So it, if you can somehow get all of Italy's home centers, that is an incredibly – it's a turbocharged situation for France as you said early on because although it – to stalemate uh, the Italian peninsula from the west requires a little more than this, in practice it's really hard for, for this defense to be overcome. If you have an army in Piedmont to support hold a unit in Venice – and you have a, a fleet in, let's say, Apulia to support hold a fleet in Ionian Sea, or maybe the fleet's in Naples or Tyrrhenian or something. That's very, very difficult for an Eastern power to overcome because your position in Venice can only be overpowered by an army in Tyrolia, a unit in, a, in a Trieste, and a fleet in Adriatic Sea. And there usually isn't. 
a fleet in Adriatic Sea, and to get one into Adri- Adriatic Sea when there isn't is challenging. So that's probably secure. And then to break through your defense in Ionian Sea requires three fleets lined up, like let's say Eastern Mediterranean, Aegean, and Greece, or maybe one in Albania. And as a defending Eastern power or a hostile Eastern power starts lining up for that, if necessary, you can send in another fleet to come in and from Marseille or from Western uh, Mid-Atlantic Ocean to come in and start support holding Ionian. So you can see it coming. And in practice, there may not even be three fleets in the East that are capable, even theoretically, of breaking through Ionian Sea. So with those positions, you can use the four units that you earned from Venice, Rome, Naples, and Tunis to defend all those gains. In other words, you as France have become, in effect, a fake Italy who's got Italy's four units and four centers, and you're just, you're, they're all added to your supply center count, bringing you closer to 18, and you know for a fact that this fake Italy is never going to attack you because it's you. So then you can continue on to play as France with your other five or six units as normal and just use those four units. So if you get into that situation, that's awesome. That's extremely strong. I've been in that situation a few times, and uh, I felt very powerful, probably won from that position at least a couple of times. Now the question is maybe, how do you make that happen? <laughs> and yeah. uh, and uh, and how do you perceive that you have a chance? So, this continuing to work backwards from the state that you're looking for to make that happen, you probably want to wait for a situation where Italy has been overextended, and you, France, are not threatened by an attack from England. So let's say that England is committed to fighting in the Northeast, but doesn't look like that battle is going to wrap up anytime soon. Like let's say England's fighting both Germany and Russia, and that that looks like it's going that battle is going to last a while. So that means England's not going to send units after you, or at least not that many. And even if England eventually does, after making those con- conquests, it'll be some time before that happens. Okay. Hmm. Maybe this is my opportunity. Well, if Italy has their units, has like an army in Piedmont and a fleet in Trinian Sea, forget about it. Because you, you have to make these hostile movements against Italy really early on. Italy can see it coming because your movements are several moves away from getting into Italy's positions. But let's say instead Italy's got an army off on some adventure in Bohemia and a fleet in uh, – Ionian Sea and Eastern Mediterranean Sea, and an army in Apulia that looks like it's about to convoy into Syria. Well, 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 Italy's r- really out of position. So if that exists, and England looks pre- otherwise occupied with some other business to attend to, this may be your opportunity to invade because you could move an army from Marseille to Piedmont and then to Tuscany. And follow up with another army that goes like from Burgundy to Marseille to Piedmont. And then all of Italy's defenses start breaking down. Because once you get a, an army or two slithering down there, down the boot, uh, well, Italy's out of position and doesn't have armies that are capable of defending. Even if Italy convoys that army back, let's say, from Syria to Apulia, by the time you've already started taking their home centers and their defense is going to collapse. Then meanwhile, you can send two fleets to go after Tunis or something and 
that's that's probably how the situation will shake down if you're able to conquer all of Italy. I did play a game one time where I um, the Italian player wanted to be my Janissary, as they say, and did whatever I said. And so I talked that player out to just walking out of their centers, and I destroyed Italy in like a turn or two. Uh, and that uh, I'm sharing that story because that was a high level game, and that was a pretty strong player who I did that with. So it was that wasn't just a like a fluke because the player was naive or something. So it is it is possible to use the power of your press to arrange a situation where Italy is vulnerable. Uh, and at the time, I thought that England was relatively committed to fighting in the north. But um, as soon as I had finished conquering Italy, that English player freaked out and started attacking me and made different alliances and whatnot. Uh, perhaps the right move for England. Yeah. Might have been too late for them, though. That that match ended up in a draw between me, England, and Turkey. I see. Uh, it's not. It's not in any way common. It's not common. Yeah, it's not okay. easy. I, I think I might be able to pull this off, though. So, what, what if I can convince Italy to just get some armies into both Tyrolia and Bohemia? That'll get you somewhere for sure. If you have an, if you have an, you, this has to be happening at the same time that you have some units that are tactically positioned so that you can get an army, ideally. You'll ideally get an army into the boot area. That you'll get an army to Piedmont and then to Tuscany or and then to Rome or Venice. That's key to getting the home centers. Taking Tunis from Italy isn't nearly so difficult. You can just send a couple fleets sometimes and, and sort of sneak your way into Tunis or surprise attack it. But getting all the home centers is another story, and that that usually requires an army, or as much easier tactically speaking if you have an army. Uh, so how soon should I do this? Did I just tried this in 1902. Is that crazy? Probably. I mean, if the board, if the if the board, uh, I, I don't think it has anything to do with the amount of turns that it's been in the game, but rather what's happening with rather the strategic posture of each of the powers, because you're taking an awful risk by sending units uh, so far away to go fight Italy, that if it doesn't work and you don't make captures, your defenses will be much, much lowered and Germany and or England could break through your home centers and that'll be the end of you. And it also won't work if Italy def- puts up a defense. And Italy, Italy can defend pretty reasonably well. Like if Italy sees it coming and puts a fleet in Tunis and a fleet in Trinian Sea, an army in Tuscany and an army in Piedmont, that's going to require so much commitment from you of fleets to break through somehow. And even if you do that, even if you send all the units necessary to break through that by force, you won't be the one to get the Italian centers. It'll be somebody else. So it's usually not worth it if Italy sees it coming. If I have fleets in the south coast of Spain and the mid-Atlantic, would Italy see it coming? Maybe not. It depends on how you can sell it. Like if you're in a tactical situation where Spain's south coast is support holding mid-Atlantic Ocean or so, you know, most Italian players won't like it because they know that south coast can move to western Mediterranean and mid-Atlantic Ocean can move to North Africa. And all of a sudden you're making a support attack on Tunis in the autumn and there goes Tunis. 
but um, like, like a one way you could do it is to get into position by moving in your fleets into position towards Italy on the same turn that you believe Italy is going to commit heavily towards fighting someone else. So like if Italy moves, if you think Italy is going to move to Adriatic Sea or uh, Ionian or Aegean Sea and get their fleets really committed towards that way, and at that exact same turn, you move your fleet from Mid-Atlantic Ocean to Western Med and from Brest to Mid-Atlantic Ocean, all of a sudden, oh, crap. You know, Italy now, that's how Italy's feeling because Italy just committed everything to going in that direction just only to be attacked by France. Of course, you don't want that to be you the victim of this situation where you commit to attacking Italy on the exact same turn that England attacks you or something like that. It's not common. It's not something that I really, uh, for me personally, I wouldn't set out with a plan in mind that I'm going to attack Italy. That's something that I would observe opportunistically like, hey, this is that rare situation where maybe... Maybe invading Italy is the thing to do because, like, England's doing this, Germany's doing this. I think it'll work. Okay, that sounds good. Well, all right, we're coming to the end of the time allocated for the dojo today anyway. Uh, it's been a pleasure, Hunter. I uh, I sometimes like the one-on-one dojos a little more. There's more uh, conversation and we're going back and forth. I really appreciate uh, your coming today. And I enjoyed talking over these topics. And uh, I hope you have the time to come next week. Yeah, I enjoyed it as well. All right, see you around. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to subscribe and review the podcast. To learn more from your board brother and to participate in the dojo, visit the blog at brotherboard.com or the Patreon at bit.ly slash supportYBB. Thanks to Loyalty Freak Music for the theme music It Feels Good to Be Alive to.